0: Good morning. It's good to see you. Why don't you stand to your feet on this Missions in Action Sunday. Would you uh, just say this verse with me? Join me in saying John three sixteen together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Sing this with me. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy, come to the table he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he
1: Good to see everybody here today on this special uh, Mission in Action Sunday uh, when we celebrate and recognize what the church has been involved in in missions over the past year and some opportunities that we have coming up for the following year. You know, I told you last week, 183 of our folks were involved uh, this year in going somewhere on mission. It's actually... On a recount, it's about 211 of our folks, and that's awesome, folks. And so we want to celebrate that today, uh, celebrate some of what's been done and the trips that have been taken, and uh, uh, we will be hearing from people this morning uh, involved in some of those and some opportunities that are coming up for you in the future and so we're excited about you being here today. We have a guest speaker uh, with us this morning, Randy Maynard. He's been uh, with the IMB for 24 years in East Asia, uh, previous to his current position, and uh, he will be bringing us a challenge uh, today. I know you will hear him uh, gladly. But again, thank you for being he- being here. Excuse me. And uh, if you're a guest of ours, we want to ask you to reach in the pew rack. Uh, where you're seated and take out a care card and fill that out as completely as possible. We would love to have a record of your attendance with us today and on the back there's room for a prayer concern. If there's a prayer need in your life that you would like the staff uh, joining in with you on this week we would be privileged to do so. Uh, We do also want to let you know at a later point in the service we will be collecting a harvest mission fund. As I mentioned last week, this fund goes back to you. It goes to our folks who are going out on the short-term mission trips to help them uh, with expenses. And you always give generously to that and I trust that you will again today. And so that will come up at a later point. Uh, in the service. We also want to invite you to stay for lunch today down in the core. Uh, We had some of our feeding units with Baptist men scheduled to be here today. Uh, These feeding units, some of them feed 20,000 meals per day out of each unit. We have one that feeds 30,000 meals a day out of each unit. And you know, every time we schedule them to be here, I think we cause a hurricane, (laughs) because I think this is the third time now we've had them scheduled, and the week before they're to be here, they get called out on location, and so the feeding units that were to be here uh, are actually on site in Florida, or on their way there. But we still have the folks that would have been serving us. They're in our kitchen, and they'll be serving everything out of our kitchen. And so we'll form the serving lines, as as you're accustomed to doing, and we'll still have the meal, a scrumptious meal, by the way, folks. If you've ever had their uh, pot roast luncheon, it's absolutely delicious. And there's also some options for kids. And so we want to invite everybody to stay Uh, for that let me go over a few announcements uh, before we continue in our worship our fall discipleship classes are rapidly approaching they'll be meeting on sunday nights at 5 p.m beginning october the 16th we ask you to sign up through next sunday we'll have a marriage class talking about the art of marriage also, I will be doing a deacon training class with our uh, new crop of deacons. We have a men's group class looking at a man and, and his work, and also a women's class, uh, and they will be doing the material uh, Jesus and Women by Christy McClellan. So we would ask you to sign up for these. In many of them, there's a workbook and a small uh cost involved in that but again take care of that sign up through next week the women of faith the senior adult women many of whom are widows they have a luncheon this tuesday at knw at eleven forty-five. Uh, then also let me mention the deacons that were elected last week jeff andrews scott barfield charlie brackett bobby cook Dennis Dooley, Rob Goodman, Robert Kirk, David Layton, Ed Polly, and Jerry Sullivan. Those will be our new deacons coming on board. In fact, they have their first meeting this week, so pray for them. And then, folks, one thing we really need your help with, trunk or treat. You may remember uh, last year. Uh, how many folks showed up on our parking lot outside of the core? Uh, we had lines upon lines, and we had received tons of candy donations from you. And yet, during the course of the evening, we had to send runners out three different times to buy more candy. And uh, this year, we're doing trunk or treat down on the parking lot at. Elementary School, and they are indicating to us there is going to be a huge crowd. And so we need candy donations as never before. Please help us with that. And we'll be talking to some of you about uh, card decorations and so forth, getting ready for that evening. And that will be October the 27th, October the 27th from 6 to 8. Uh, as we get ready to go to the Lord in prayer, let me ask you to pray for the family of Billy Torres. Uh, she passed away, and I'll be having that funeral this coming uh, Tuesday morning. It'll be more of a private family uh, graveside service. And then Wednesday at 1.30, uh, Susan Wright, who used to uh, serve in our church office for probably 17 years as one of our church secretaries. Uh, she did pass away night before last, uh, approaching midnight. She had been battling cancer, and her service will be here at 1:30 pm. on Wednesday. They have decided not to do visitation before. The burial is here in our church cemetery and anybody that wants to visit with the family uh, can do so. Uh, out at the graveside so please remember susan wright's family as well let's go to the lord in prayer father we thank you for this day where we celebrate the mission of the church i think of what jesus said in john 2021 that even as the father has sent me even so send i you lord the heartbeat of the church is to be missions We have the great commission to go into all nations uh, teaching uh, folks about Jesus and baptizing them, discipling them. And Father, we have the promise that you are always with us and will be until you come for your bride. God, I thank you for the mission-mindedness of this church in both their giving and their going. And Lord, we do want to recognize those that have been on trips in this past year and some of the trips that have been made and the upcoming opportunities. God, we cannot do this without you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us and lead us to accomplish your purposes. Lord, you invite us in your word to join you in your activity. To seek first your kingdom. And so we pray that we would examine our lives where we are working with you. In your mission of reaching the lostness and impacting darkness in this world. God give us your heart. Your heart for people. Your eyes. Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would thrust out more workers into the harvest field. Lord, may we have have the attitude of Isaiah when he said, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, we do thank you for this day. And all of those involved, all those in the core who are getting ready for our luncheon, Uh, We pray that you would be with them, help them to finalize their efforts before we make our way next door. Thank you for Randy being with us today and sharing from his heart what he has seen and continues to see as he goes around the world involved in missions and helping to uh, mobilize and coordinate uh, folks going around the world. Lord, just anoint his words this morning. May his words be your words and his thoughts your thoughts. We stand on that promise in Isaiah 55 that your word will not return uh, unto you void. God, we want to pray for the families in our church, Billy Torres' family and Susan Wright's family. And I thank you for the assurances that they have that both of these ladies were godly saints. They knew Jesus. They're with Jesus even now. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Lord, we celebrate their eternal life in Christ, but we also grieve alongside of their families. And we pray that the services would be a celebration of their salvation in Christ. Lord, now guide us in all that is said and done today. And may your will and your purposes be accomplished here in this place. We pray in Jesus name, amen.
2: Good morning church, I'm Janet Blanford. My husband James and I have had the distinct pleasure and honor to serve as team leaders for the adult mission trips that have traveled to Alaska over the last couple of years from here at Pitts. I'm so excited to share with you today that we're going back in 2023 and we wanna take you with us so if you've been sitting back thinking, one of these trips I'm probably going to sign up, now's the time. If you've always had Alaska on your bucket list, and you know, if you haven't had Alaska on your bucket list, why not? It's beautiful. Get it added to your list and come join us. If you've always wanted to do a mission trip far from home, but you don't want to have to have a passport to get there, Alaska is your destination. It is the largest state in our country, uh, by square miles anyway. From a population standpoint, they have about 730,000 people. Half of those are located in the city of Anchorage. This past summer, we partnered with the First Baptist Church in Anchorage. They have a a city block right in the heart of the city, where in their prime, they had about 2,000 members. It's a large facility. But not unlike any other church in Alaska, they've been struggling over the years. There are so many churches in Alaska that don't even open their doors on Sunday anymore. Two years ago, the First Baptist Church had a membership of about 20. But then in walks pastor gary moats from east tennessee pastor moats had pastored two other churches at east tennessee and revitalized those churches he and his wife were ready to retire and he would tell you they were headed to florida but they made a wrong turn and ended up in anchorage the people of first baptist church are so happy that they did because he has walked alongside them and taken them from a membership of 20 to now almost 200 in a short two-year period his enthusiasm for revitalization is infectious His entire membership has jumped on board with him and we're so excited to be part of what they've got going on. When we arrived, we realized what they really needed was a facelift. That church was stuck in the 1960s and we needed to make it look like it was in the 2020s so that when new people walk in the door, they look at it and say, this is a church I wanna call my church home. So what we needed to do was put a little bit of paint on walls and put new lights on the ceiling and clean out closets and storage rooms and fix up Sunday school classes. It was a lot of work, and we've still got a lot more work to do, so we're excited to go back this next year and finish what we've started. In January, we'll be having an interest meeting. I want to encourage you to come to that. We'll be sharing pictures and videos of the work that we did this year, and we'll talk about our vision for 2023 to see if you want to be part of that. There will be a sign-up sheet. You need to sign up quickly, because last year at this interest meeting, we had so many people sign up we realized we needed to form two teams. We had too many for one team. So we quickly filled up a June team and then began to work on an August team. But before we could get out of town in August, our team began to dwindle. People were having to back out whether it was health reasons, financial reasons, or the dates weren't working in their calendar, other conflicts, but before we knew it, we had a very small team. I know that a lot of hands make for light work, and I also knew we had a lot of work to do when we got back to First Baptist and we were taking a very small team. We were begging people to join us, but it just wasn't meant to be. Well, the Lord blessed us anyway. We were small in number, but we were mighty, and we got a lot accomplished in that week. Uh, We couldn't believe it ourselves, but the decision has been made that in 2023, no matter what, we're taking one team to First Baptist Church. Many of you will sign up at the interest meeting, and some of you will not get to go on that trip. But I'm here to give you some hope today because there's one other Alaskan opportunity in 2023. Not in Anchorage. It will be in Saldotna, Alaska, which is located about three hours from Anchorage. We partnered with the Solid Rock Bible Camp this year. Think Snowbird. It's about 200 plus miles of wilderness. They do year-round camps, but while we were there, it was their summer camp season. Yeah, it was first week of August and temperatures were 59 degrees. Our team was wearing long pants and long sleeves, and kids were sailing by them every day in their swimming trunks and their uh, beach towels, jumping into the lake. Those Alaskans are hardy, but we got a lot of work done that week. Our crew was able to go in and hang sheetrock in some cabins. They put cedar siding on the outside of some cabins. They built a huge deck on one of them, added a roof to that deck, and all that happened in about four and a half days. Solid Rock wants us back in 2023. The conditions are a little rustic. So if you don't mind a rustic stay in a cabin and you don't mind rolling up your sleeves and working hard, that may be the trip for you. We'll talk more about it in January at that same interest meeting, and again, show pictures and videos of some of the work that they were able to get done when they were there. So maybe you'll sign up for that one. In any event, we want you to come and hear more about why we love Alaska so much, especially in the summertime. With 20 hours of daylight, we found that we can work hard all day, and then we can sightsee and play hard all night. There's so much to do and see in that gorgeous state. We were so sleep deprived and didn't know it until we got home. It took us four days to recover from the trip, but don't worry, don't let that stop you. It is so worth it. What a privilege it is to go over there and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to help those people by rolling up our sleeves and doing the heavy lifting, doing the work so that when we leave, they can do what they're there to do. Minister to people, love on people, bring people in, whether that's First Baptist Church or the Solid Rock Bible Camp. They're there to show people Jesus Christ. And if we can do all the heavy lifting for them, They can do more of that. That's what we're there to do. I hope that you'll prayerfully consider joining us. Don't miss that team meeting in January so we can tell you more about it. I'm looking for you to be with me in 2023.
3: Greetings from Anchorage, Alaska. I'm Pastor Gary at First Baptist Church here in Anchorage. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you to all the members and the leadership at Pitts Baptist. Through your sacrifices, your giving, and your mission teams, you have really impacted the state of Alaska. You've impacted our church. At First Baptist, uh, there's so much work that's been done, so much love that's been shared, and so much time that's been given uh, to help our church revitalize. So I'm so thankful for each and every one that's came on a mission trip here to Alaska, and I look forward to those that will be coming in the future. Uh, The partnership we have with your church has really blessed our community. It's blessed our church. And I'm excited about what God has for the future. I look forward to meeting those that are be coming to Alaska here uh, next summer. I'll be be praying for you and hoping that God continues to give you insight and wisdom and preparation as you prepare to come to Alaska to do missions uh, this next summer. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, and we will see you soon.
4: Good morning. I just want to go over a couple things in 2022 that the things that the mission committee kind of laid out and um, Pastor Scott started reviewing some of that last um, week when y'all were here but I want to go over a couple other items as well and some work that we accomplished and then give you a quick challenge. Um, Money spent this year uh, over and above just the money that that uh, we already give to cooperative program and we already give to ministry. This is money spent by our members through the harvest, uh, through subsidization from the Harvest Fund and their personal funding this year for the trips we took, $89,200. Um, miles traveled by both air and vehicle, and y'all can argue which one's tougher. Being on a plane for a long time is tough, but being in a car with a bunch of potholes on the road is tough, too. 541 Thousand miles. So you can see that we were busy about the work of the gospel. That's what it's all about. Some work that we accomplished. Uh, we built a stage and hung drywall at Camp Snowbird. That's the youth camp that we go to. Um, and they didn't want just a normal stage. They came up and they asked me, they said, hey, uh, can this stage hold a couple hundred kids? What? And uh, they sent me a video later in the summer of. Uh, over 160 kids on this stage at one time so we had the guys in the church and the know-how and we went and built that so that i know that's been a blessing to them and they've thanked us numerous times uh various construction projects around uh cooperative christian ministry sites as well as bible studies canvassing and maintenance needs at first baptist anchorage that you just heard of construction and building of decks and overhangs that that janet talked about for solid rock um the sewing ministry a lot of y'all uh, that have uh, the gift of sewing, they did 198 pillowcases and quilts for local ministries and 256 bags for our OCC ministry. So you can see how things kind of intertwine and, and overlay together. And I've already been talking to Miss Pat about next year, some of the trips we're taking and some of the things that they can be about for us as well. Um, staffing a processing center, um, uh, Shannon Gardner helps us with that uh, for OCC. And we had 94 just 94 volunteers from Pitts alone help her staff that this past year and guess what that's right around the corner Um, and then making repairs on a home in West Virginia as a in reach project we did that Um, it was uh, sunny when we got there and snow in the next minute so it was a little crazy Um, and then building a ramp for a disabled vet here in Concord we did that Uh, moving furniture at various sites for Cooperative Christian Ministries, and then ministering at the Kennedy Home, which we do a couple times a year, and then backyard Bible clubs the youth did in Wasilla this summer. So you can see that we were really busy with missions this year, being involved in missions. Um, Quickly, I just want to read some verses to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe And you see a group of believers there that were obedient to what God called them to do. And what did he do? He added to the number of those being saved by the gospel and the good news. And that's what we as a church and our Desires a Mission Committee is about, is that we are obedient to the call of missions. Some of you think, man, I can't go on a mission. Um, but you can. And I always took the approach. I went on my first mission trip. when I was 13 years old, 1983. And uh, that's almost 40 years ago. And I've always taken the approach, a lot of us want to sit and wait and hear something from God, right? How about wait and let God tell you no? Go and let God tell you no. You know what? He had not told me no yet. <laughs> so I think sometimes our approach is backwards to missions. Um, a, a quote by William Booth that I'd like to read. And uh, Let me just get that right here. Um, William Booth is, uh, was the... Uh, founder of the salvation army and he writes a, a quote here it says not called did you say not heard the call i think you should say put your ear down to the bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin put your ear down to the burden agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful well for help Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters, servants, and masters not to come uh, there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him whether you will join heart, soul, body, and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Very fitting statement about missions and, and what we as a church and as a person should be about Um Two more things, and I'll, I'll sit down. Um, the Baptist Men Disaster Relief, Region 6, as uh, Scott already alluded to, the trailer's not here today, but he did want me to announce that Region 6, which is our area, will is going to be on assignment in Fort Myers, Florida, October 15th through the 22nd. So if you're interested in going and, and feeding people that are in the middle of a tragedy and sharing Jesus in that process, the, the guy with the blue hat, they call him the blue hat over there. You just see him, and he will definitely get you to the right place if you're interested in that. Also, the mission committee, we have a few T-shirts left from past years. They're nice T-shirts if you want one. We're just selling, trying to get rid of those. We're selling those for $10 uh, over in the core after this. Um, also, I want to introduce our speaker just a little further. Uh, his name is Randy Maynard. He has four children, and he didn't walk in here. He floated in here. Because he's a recent grandfather, so he has an eight-week, eight-week-old grandchild. So I'm I'm sure he'll tell you more about that. I don't really want to get into a lot of his work, but he is a great commission, um, a great commission catalyst for the North Carolina Baptist State Convention for our region, and so we thought it appropriate to bring him here and uh, talk about his mission experience and the things and his vision that he has for us to help us serve too. He's got some things in mind for us. Um, So when he comes, he'll already be introduced. Thank you for your time.
0: Christ says go. And as we go, we share what we believe. Let's do that now in song. Would you stand with me together as we proclaim together, we believe in Jesus Christ. In this time of desperation, all we know is doubt and only one salvation we believe we believe we believe in God the Father we believe in Jesus Christ we believe in the Holy Spirit and he's given us new life we believe in the crucifixion WE BELIEVE THAT HE CONQUERED DEATH, WE BELIEVE IN THE RESURRECTION, AND HE'S COMING BACK AGAIN, WE BELIEVE We believe that he conquered death, we believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again, let the lost be found, let the dead be raised in the here and now, let love in pain, let the church live loud, our God will sing, we believe, we believe, and the gates of up and that we know your love will never fail. We believe, we believe, we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit and he's
2: given us new life. We believe
0: in the new.
5: You know, I get to travel all around the world and one of the things that I always find the same about all people, whether they're followers of Christ or not, that all of us ask the same question, what on earth are we here for? What on earth are we here for? What is the purpose of our life? And you know, one of the things that everybody wants to to be part of and we've alluded to it already, we want to also know that our life matters and that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. And we've seen that demonstrated already this morning with already what we've already talked about, uh, how as a church, um, you guys are part of something bigger than yourself. We're part of taking this gospel, this good news that we have found, and taking it to the uttermost parts of the earth, to take it to peoples who have uh, never heard it. And, uh, and so I just uh, come to you to tell you that as a, Great Commission Catalyst from the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, uh, thank you guys for being on mission together with uh, 3,000, more than 3,000 partnering churches across the state of North Carolina. Together on mission together, we are uh, here as a Great Commission Catalyst. At my, I have a colleague, he lives in Davidson, I live in Waxhaw, and we are here from the State Convention to live among you guys in your communities and to help churches to be healthy. And, and and as I think about what does a healthy church look like, healthy church, healthy churches is worship, and, and the overflow of worship is mission. It's going. It's everything we do. And so as we worship God and we're filled with his presence and his gospel and his hope in our life, the overflowing of that is our gifts, our tithes of our, not only our money, but also of ourselves as we go. And as I've been in this job now since January, and i have going around meeting pastors, um, one of the things that's kind of helped me is a, a little grid that I kind of work through. Um, what I do is I put Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth across the top part of the grid. And then down the side, I put, I put pray, give, go, and send. And if you start filling in the blanks, uh, we can already see... This morning that many of your blanks have been filled in in this church. We've seen how you're going here locally. We've heard testimonies about opportunities to go even uh, across the state um, or even to other states to help with Baptist on Mission and with disaster relief. Uh, There's opportunities as well to go across this country to other states like Alaska and help plant churches or help strengthen churches. And we also have heard about opportunities to take the gospel to other countries, to the ends of the earth. And so we pray. We pray for the nations. There's over 3,000 unengaged, unreached people groups in this world who have yet to hear the gospel. So we want to know the names of those peoples. We want to pray for those people. We want uh, to give to, to efforts as well uh, that support international missions. But we want to give efforts to support the other missions as well, those in our state. Uh, right now is the month when we're taking up uh, uh, the, the offering for the North Carolina uh, uh, mission offering, our state mission offering. And so there's opportunities to give here that, uh, for opportunities right here in our state. And then there's opportunities uh, to give here locally. Um, recently, I had the opportunity uh, to go down into Charlotte and just pray with uh, my church uh, at, with Love Life. And that's an opportunity to impact locally here in our our community where we can uh, pray against uh, for abortion and those who are giving their babies up. Uh, So there's all ways, all these different ways that we as as Baptists, as churches together, we can be on mission together. We can do more together. And so I thank you, and I know the North Carolina Baptist Convention thanks you as well. Um, This morning... I'd like you to open your Bibles to John chapter 12. We're going to read verse 1 through 8. But before we read that, I want to tell you a little story that happened to me this weekend. Um, So we, we moved to Charlotte in March... And uh, we moved into a large neighborhood with about 1,700 homes. And all the license plates around me are people moving into brand new homes, and they're not from North Carolina. My neighbors are from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. They're coming in from California, Portland, Oregon. I see license plates from Arizona and Colorado, and, and they just keep coming. They're building right up my street, up into the next street. And I see all these people coming, and so uh, I asked the Lord, Lord, give me a place in my neighborhood where I can make an impact locally. And, I, and so in July, uh, the 1st of July, uh, I started, my wife and I started a Bible study at our clubhouse. And we've had about 22, 23 different people come out uh, every Tuesday evening for a Bible study. And one of the people that I've met in that Bible study uh, is a young couple that moved here from Portland, Oregon. And the Lord sent them here to plant a church and so uh, we've been developing relationships with this young couple. Uh, they're uh, a, a young couple with five kids, and they invited us over um, Friday night to have dinner, and, and we, uh, we offered to bring dessert, and, uh, and so uh, uh, we, uh, we made some homemade chocolate chip cookies, and uh, how many of y'all uh, make your own chocolate chip cookies in your house, and and what happens in the house, man, it just m- fills the house with this fragrance of cho- chocolate chip cookies. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you um, that not all of the chocolate chip cookies made it into the container to go to our friend's house. Uh, uh, I, I, I think, I, I'll admit, I, I ate three. I ate three cookies. And my wife came in, and I think she had, to, she had to sample them, too. We had to make sure that they were presentable for our guests. But, but the house was just full of an aroma. And a fragrance of chocolate chip cookies. And uh, uh, that's gonna lead us into this passage. <laughs> this isn't like a, I'm not chasing, chasing a rabbit, which I can do, but I'm not chasing a rabbit right now. Uh, so let's open um, God's Word, and I'm gonna use my electric Bible here real quick. Can I ask you to stand if you can, if you will? Now six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus Jesus said leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial for the poor you always have with you but you do not always have me let's bow our head father we thank you for your word we thank you that your word is alive that it's living and it is reliable and it is inerrant and infallible and it and it is something that we can uh build our life on the truths of your word and so father we, we thank you for your word, we thank you for the reading of your word, and we pray, Father, that it will uh, land on our hearts and it will uh, penetrate our hearts and change us so that we'll be more in the image of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as we see this passage, this is six days before the Passover, and Jesus, we know if we just go back one chapter in... John, we'll see that um, Jesus was busy one day. He was out uh, proclaiming the gospel and healing the sick. And uh, Mary and Martha came and they they came to Jesus and they begged Jesus. They they begged Him, would you please come to our house? Your friend, our brother Lazarus, has fallen ill. And... Jesus did not come immediately. In fact, it was several days when he showed up in their home in Bethany. And when he got there, um, he was met by Mary and Martha. And they were weeping and crying. And, and they, they told Jesus that it was too late, that he had come too late. That Lazarus was in the tomb. And uh, he had been dead for several days. And in that passage, it even tells us that Jesus, filled with compassion, he wept. He wept for them, and he saw how much they loved their brother, and how what what death had done, and how it had been destroying uh, humanity uh, since the fall. And and so Jesus told them, "Where is your brother?" And they said, "He's in the tomb." And and they they told he told them to move the move the stone away and. They said, "No, Jesus, you can't go in there. There'll be a stench of death. He's been dead now for three days. There'll be an aroma that, of death. We don't want that coming out here." And Jesus said, "He's not dead. He's only asleep." And and they went in there, and Jesus uh, looked at Lazarus, and he commanded him. He told him to get up. And Jesus and Lazarus got up, and he walked out of that tomb. And that day, Jesus demonstrated that he has power over death. And here is this brother. Here is Lazarus now, the man that Jesus raised from the dead. But in this passage now, they're at this home where Lazarus was, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And they were now giving a dinner for him. And and it says that Martha served. Now, we know another story about Mary and Martha when Jesus came to their house. Jesus was no stranger to their house. He'd been to their house before. And we learned in that passage that when they came to their house, Mary wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen to what Jesus had to say. And her sister, Martha, got a little bit perturbed and was complaining and told Jesus, tell her to get up and help me. And, and Jesus lovingly rebuked Martha and told her, no, Mary is doing what Mary should be doing. And, uh, but now in this passage, it's very interesting. It's so a contrast of the first time we, we hear about Jesus coming to their house, now Jesus is back in the home. And, and where do we find Mary? Well, we find Martha serving. We see, find Lazarus as one of those reclining with Jesus at the table. And then we find out that Mary walks in and she's got a pound of this expensive ointment made from pure nard. And she brings it in and she breaks it open and it says, what does it say here that she does? Uh, she anointed the feet of Jesus, and she wiped his feet with her hair. She wiped his feet with her hair. Folks, Mary loved Jesus. Mary is worshiping Jesus. Mary sacrificing for Jesus. And then what happened? It says the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The whole house smelled like this perfume. And then it says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And he says this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to it, and uh, to what was put into it. And Jesus responded, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day for my burial. For the poor you'll always have with you, but you do not always have me. You see, in this passage we're going to see basically about five different responses of being with Jesus. The, f- the first response we see is actually demonstrated by Lazarus. What's interesting, I've, I've, I've gone through Scripture and I've read every passage about Lazarus, and one of the interesting things about Lazarus is he never says a word. He is not quoted saying one word. Okay, But what he is demonstrating here in this, this story, this, this scene we're seeing is that he is a witness. He is testifying that <laughs> Jesus, he was once a dead man and now he's alive. Okay? Now, please, we've heard, I've heard this said before, and, and I think it's one of the worst things I've ever heard, and that is, um, it goes, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. I think that's an awful quote, it's a terrible quote. <laughs> Because we know in Romans, it says, how will they know unless someone goes and preaches and opens the mouth and, and shares the gospel? So but but it's interesting that Lazarus, just wherever he goes now, he's the man that Jesus raised from the dead. He doesn't even have to say anything. Everybody's like, you were dead and now you're alive. Okay, that's that, that, and so that's an interesting parallel for us, isn't it? Because when we spend time with Jesus and we know Him as our Lord and Savior, we're reminded that we once were lost, we were once dead, and we've been made alive. Amen, amen. Yeah. So one of our responses is that uh, we see in this passage is is, uh, is a witness or a testimony. We, how many of y'all took the testimony class or the the, the evangelism class this morning? We were all. Uh, uh, Taken through a process how to uh, share our testimony and share the gospel with those around us. Here is an example of of Lazarus sharing the gospel by just being Lazarus. Um, But we also see another response to being with Jesus that's demonstrated by Martha. And that is to serve. When we are are with Jesus and we've worshipped him and we've been with him, the natural response is just to go out and serve and do the things he's asked us to do, right? To, 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 to care for the poor, to care for those around us, to, to serve, to, to, to cook meals. There's people right now cooking our lunch. It's probably not in here with us right now as we worship, but they are doing it because they love you, they love the church, they love Jesus, and they're doing it because, out of their love. So when, when we spend time with Jesus, a natural response is to go serve and then we see by, when we look at Mary, we see that when we're with Jesus, our natural response should be to worship Him. And we see that she is just worshiping Him. She is literally at His feet. She has wiped His feet. She's actually, uh, I think she's one of, she was walking with all the disciples, and, and we know that over in uh, Matthew 24, 14, the, the disciples are still not understanding uh, what he means when he says uh, about the kingdom and in Matthew twenty uh, they're wondering when the kingdom will come that he keeps talking about And he says in this kingdom will be preached as a testimony or a witness to all nations and then the end will come uh, I think I think Mary might want to have been of the few people that actually got it before he went to the cross before he re- resurrected from the dead and before he ascended back up into heaven The other response we see to being with Jesus is also demonstrated by Mary, and that is in sacrifice. This 300 denarii in that time was almost a year's wage for a common person. And I don't know how to translate that into what that would mean for us today, but in in today, I, I think an American family... An average income right now for a family of four is somewhere around $55,000, $57,000, something like that. Can you imagine taking $50,000 and buying something as precious as this, this perfume and breaking it and wiping the feet of Jesus with your hair? That's the, I, I want you to understand how much of a sacrifice this was for Mary and and so you know today you're going to be challenged with this harvest mission offering and it's an opportunity for you to demonstrate um, your love for Jesus and so when you when you do that and, and you come through and you're going to be um, giving those offerings here I think in this basket down here just think about that think about what how much of a sacrifice you and how much you love Jesus and how you have this opportunity today to demonstrate your love for him like Mary did you um, you might be able to sacrifice your time and go on one of these mission trips. (laughs) That's a big sacrifice, you know. Some of us only get two or three weeks off, a year, four weeks, and and to take a week of your time, that is actually also um, uh, an offering to the Lord to give your own time. I think our time is actually probably one of the most precious gifts we have that we can offer the Lord. And then the other thing that responds to being with Jesus is something that we should expect, and that's pushback from the world. You know, people outside of the church, they, they're lost. And when they look in and they see what we're doing, it, it, it has to seem really crazy to them that we would actually give money to do this. To take we, we believe in such a message, it's so important, that we have to get it to the ends of the earth. This passage reminds me of 2 Corinthians 2, 14-16. Uh, it says, But thanks be to God... Uh, Who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance of death to death, and to the other, a fragrance of life. You see, church, when, when we leave here and we head out and we go on mission, we are the fragrance of Christ. But we have a message with us that we were reminded this morning in the evangelism class that it's the best news anyone can hear and on the same side, it's the worst news anybody could hear because what the gospel message does is it, it, it illuminates that uh, there is a God and you're not Him <laughs> and in order for you to get to Him, uh, you, you don't have what it takes and so therefore you have to acknowledge that you are lost and a sinner and you have to confess those sins and repent of those sins and you have to turn to Jesus and accept what he's done on your behalf and you have to invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And and then and then uh heaven's a free gift, but it cost everything. Now it's our whole life. It's everything we are. We're now we are now not a slave to this world, but we're now a slave to so God, a righteous King, a King that's worthy, who loves us, and He 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 wants the best for us, and that's who we're 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 going to yoke ourselves to is, is Christ. Well, that message is offensive to people who aren't uh, ready to receive it. So we as 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 that sweet of fragrance and that sweet aroma, we have to take this message. We don't have to take it in fear. We can take it in confidence, knowing that um, like we were reminded this morning that we uh, uh, there's a scale. And I would even add another dimension to your scale, Kevin, and that is um, maybe there might be a zero, negative one, two, three on the uh, on the side of zero, and then there's a positive one to ten before someone believes. Um, and because I've actually met people where I've shared the gospel where they had such a negative response, they were way over here. Uh, but sometimes I've been able to, to move somebody from being antagonistic towards the gospel message into to Christians. Um, and oftentimes, uh, it's through sharing with like what we're doing right now with disaster relief. That gets a lot of attention. I, I wish we as North Carolina Baptists and Southern Baptists would, would have a billboards all across our country um, letting the people out there know what we do because that's one of the things that they look and they, they can't deny. They see... Um, people roll in with these feeding trucks and people coming in and shoveling muck out of people's houses and, and they can't deny that these people, something's different about them and they're here with a message. <clears throat> you see, this message, this, this gospel is good news, it's a sweet aroma, but it's also a negative aroma. We just need to keep that in mind as we go. I'm um, Before So my wife and I, um, we grew up in 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 a a church just like this. Uh, We were being discipled as young adults uh, here in North Carolina, up in the Raleigh-Durham area. And 26 years ago, in two months, the summer of 1996, God got a hold of our hearts in a local church. My wife was teaching mission friends, and I was out doing evangelism explosion with the pastor, seeing people come to Christ, and. Uh, we were both registered nurses. We were both uh, open-heart ICU nurses. I was a lifelike nurse for Duke Lifelight. And we had everything that the Amer- people out there looked at and thought, well, that's success. Um, but on the inside, I knew Jesus as my Savior from the time I was 10 years old. But when I was 30 years old, I dared Jesus. God, I said, I want to know what lordship means like. And God started and said, okay, you want to know what lordship looks like? I'll show you. And so 26 years ago, my wife and I stepped on a plane with a three- and a five-year-old, and we flew as far as you could get from here uh, to, south, to, a, to that large country that's in East Asia <laughs> that is often in the news. Um, it's one of those places where COVID started and has spread around the world. Uh, it's a place where there are uh, people right now being imprisoned and brainwashed for their religious beliefs. Uh, they're not Christians, but there are some Christians, there, even, or there are some Christians that are even being uh, t- uh, taken in and persecuted and, and squelched for their beliefs as well. But, I, but my wife and I got on a plane with a three and a five year old. We flew to that country, and we, we thought we were going for two years. And we stayed for 24 years. And, um, and, and while we did it, uh, it was because we love Jesus. And, and this message that, that we just shared uh, so has impacted our life. We wanted to say we are yours. We, we want to take your gospel and take it to the ends of the earth. Well, we spent 12 and a half years working with one unreached people group. It was a large people group, about 3 million people. We spent 12 and a half years working there. In the next 12 and a half years, um, I moved into more of a catalytic mindset, thinking, uh, man, uh, this great commission uh, that's being given to us, I want to read it for you. Uh, the pastor alluded to it. It's Matthew 28 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Well, that Great Commission isn't just for North Carolina Baptists. That Great Commission is also for the churches that we planted and partnered with in that big country. And I'm here to tell you all... um, that God is at work in that big country like something that's never happened on the whole line of of the history of the church and that is he has brought more people into the kingdom in the last 30 years in that country uh, than ever before in all of human history. There is now over a 100, probably more like 130 million Christians in that country and they love Jesus, they love this, his word, and they are obedient, and they are taking the gospel themselves to their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, and to their ends of the earth. And so, uh, in, it was around 2012 that my leaders uh, with, with the IMB, they, they gave me a list of unengaged, unreached people groups, and they said, Randy, here's 185 people groups and we'll never have the resources to send a missionary to every single one of these. So just take this and and see how you can work with the churches and, and the resources that God's given us here to get the churches there to engage those people groups. And so thankfully my leadership let me pull a couple of other people onto my team, uh, some other IMB missionaries and My wife and I, we we built a team of about ten of us, about five families. My wife and I were the only Caucasian IMB missionaries on the team. We had Taiwanese-American, Korean-American, and uh, Chinese-American colleagues that joined our team. And because of our length of time we have been in that country in that part of the world, we brought together about 24 different Christian agencies together, and we formed a partnership. We called it, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what we called it because it has the name of that country in it. but it's the CUP Partnerships, and it stands for that country with unreached peoples. And we thought, how can we um, get... The the idea that there's people groups that don't have access to the gospel was unacceptable to everybody. So what we did is we started sending teams of people to go out and survey and canvas and find these people groups. So from 2012 to 2016, Um, we completed 127 site surveys out of 185. And that means we we literally sent people that went out there, and they measured three things. We asked them to measure language vitality. These people groups, the reason they're a separate people group is because they have their own language. And so we were looking to see how intact their language was. And then we were also looking for spiritual vitality, and that is... If they have never heard of Jesus, they've never heard of God, they've never heard of the Bible, they've never heard of a Christian, what do they worship? Are they animist? Are they Buddhist? Are they um, um, Muslim? Because these people groups are all of those. We wanted to know what they were, their spiritual vitality. And then finally, we wanted to know their physical vitality. How healthy are they? How are they? Um, What's their life expectancy? What do the children look like? What are their their, their some of the health uh, struggles and challenges they have as a community? Because this was going to inform us of how we could go on mission there and take and alleviate some of those problems and gain trust so that we could share the gospel with them. And so from, uh, from 2012 to 2016, we completed uh, those uh, 127 of those site surveys. And from that, we started putting together Top thirty-one unengaged, unreached people groups of East Asia, prayer booklets, volume one, two, three, four. We compl- so in those four four booklets, we 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 highlighted a people profile for all those people groups, and then we took that booklet and and put it on a PDF file and we gave it to our partners. Some of our our, our great commission partners that we were working with were the Baptist uh, Brazilian Baptist Convention, and so they took that and same. PDF file with people profile, and they translated it into Portuguese, and we gave the, another one to our Korean Baptist and Korean Presbyterian uh, brothers and sisters that we were working with, and they took it back to Korea. I also had it translated in Korean. Uh, we were working with some uh, Mexican missionaries, and they, they, they had it translated into Spanish, and, um, and then we had it translated into Mandarin, uh, and, and then we had pr- those booklets printed, and we started sending them out all over that country and all over these other countries, and all of a sudden people started praying awareness for these people were raised to the Lord. And then, in that country alone, they started reaching out, and uh, they would invite my team to come and fly into another big city in their country. We'd fly in, they'd meet us at an airport, they'd take us to a convention center on the edge of town, and I'd walk into a conference center at a, at a hotel. There'd be 700 people in there for a mission conference, and I was able to give those booklets and those PDF files to those those people in those churches. The next thing you know, they start sending teams and missionaries to us. So our team started a one year um, uh, it was a, it was a coaching mentoring uh, program where they would send uh, out um, missionaries, and we would give them an area. Uh, with two or three people groups that they would go to, to live, and they'd they'd get 30 days of training, they'd go for 90 days, three months, to the field, and we would send a national partner to do on-site coaching with them monthly. We'd bring them back for another 30 days of training, send them back for 90 days, and then they, they repeated this three times in a year, and they, they started planting churches among those people groups. Well, one of the people groups um, that we sent them out, and they had sent back their information to me was a people called the Tudzu people. And the Tudzu people were a, a subgroup of the Yi people. And uh, there, there was only 24,000 of these people. And I knew that they were a couple of hours off of the highway where we traveled through. And so I told my team members, I said, let's go over there and do a follow-up on this people group. Um, it's only a couple of hours get from the main highway over there on a dirt road and when we got off the road and we started following the directions it was a handwritten map in in mandarin leading us out to this village we get out to the edge of that town and where i'm supposed to hit the road all of a sudden i see uh, this miles of ribbon of brand new paved road there we go (laughs) brand new paved road it's not a dirt road in fact the, the, the directions from the people who had just sent there uh, a few months back, six months before, had gone and done the initial site survey of this village, told us it would take us two hours to get over to that village. It took us 30 minutes on this wonderful new piece paved road to the village. Um, we get over to the village, and I'm with, uh, I'm with uh, uh, a national partner and a, uh, a Taiwanese-American colleague of my, and myself. We get out of the car and as soon as they see me this big tall foreigner they all run and go in their house and shut their doors <laughs> and i looked at my colleague leon chen and and our national partner and i said maybe we should split up <laughs> and you guys go and and i'll just prayer walk and i'll play tourist and I'll just take my camera out and take pictures and just act like a stupid tourist. Uh, maybe that'll alleviate some of their fears. And so I'm dr- I've got my water bottle. I'm drinking my water. I'm taking pictures, trying to engage a few people that didn't run in, that were, weren't as uh, fearful of me. Um, and then about an hour and a half, two hours later, we were going to meet back at the car. And when we, I get back to the car, and we're talking like, these villages are made out of like mud bricks um and it's like very it's up until this road went in they were very very off the grid <laughs> uh, and that's why they were fearful they'd never seen a foreigner before and they've in that country they do a lot of propaganda and they they have like big signs that talk about foreigners that are going to come and try to cheat you and 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 try to trick you and all this so the, it doesn't help that the government there uh kind of tells people to be fearful of outsiders and foreigners but I got back to the car, and I realized I needed to use the restroom. There are no restrooms in these villages. There's only outhouses. And while I was there at the car, I looked, and there was this man out in his field, and he was kind of hoeing lines and kind of cleaning up where he's getting ready to plant something. And I could see that he had a, a an outhouse right over the hill behind his house. And so I, I approached him in my time of need and said, Uh, can I please use your, your, your restroom? And he said, sure. And so I went to the restroom, and it was the heat of the day. It was a hot, bright, sunny day. And I came out, and he told me there was a place on the porch where I could wash my hands. And I went over there, and I washed my hands. I had a little bar of soap, and I washed my hands. And his wife came out of the door, and she said, would you like something to drink? And I said, well, I'm waiting for my friends, and do you mind if I just sit here in the shade of your porch? And she said, no, come in the house, and you can sit in our living room. And so she opens the door, and she is getting me some more water. And, uh, and I look up at the door that she opened, and I see a red cross on this door. And, I'm so, and I, so I start talking to her. I said, how did you? I said, what is this? And, and I said, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. And I said, well, how many other Christians are there in this village? And she said, him and me, (laughs) two (laughs) out of 24,000 people. I said, how did you hear the good news? She said a young man, one of our young men, had gone off to another uh, city in the province to work. And he left his girlfriend back home that he had planned to marry. And when he was off working, he was saving up money. He was going to come back and marry her. And while he's off working, he gets a Dear John letter from her uh, that basically says that she doesn't want to marry him anymore. She's breaking up with him. Well, the young man became distraught. And, And he was working on a construction crew that was building a dam for a reservoir. Uh, near a park in this other city, and he actually went out onto the wall of the dam and was preparing to end his life when a group of young people um, hollered for him to come down off the wall that they had some good news that they wanted to share with him. That, and so he came down off of the wall, and it was another people group called the Dai People. And, and we had sent missionaries there, and they had some churches there, and this obviously was one of those churches because these young people shared the gospel, led that my, man to Jesus, and his life was changed. And, and during the new year, the big new year for that country, he went home, he got to go home, and he couldn't wait to go home. And he couldn't wait to tell everybody he knew what had happened to his life. And so he gathered everybody in that village together, and he shared the gospel story and gave him an opportunity to respond and the only person to respond was that woman. Only one. And she said, uh, I said, well, how were you discipled? She said, well, he went off to the, your capital city where you lived and went to Bible school. And then he's in the government church in the county seat. And she, and I said, well, how, do you, how often do you do church? She said, well, she said, there's four other believers in another village among our people group. And they live like about, Twenty miles away, and so once a month he comes out, and we all get together, and he teaches us, and uh, we 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 learn the Bible, and we we we, we pray together, and uh, and she said she said but she said it was six years later before my husband believed, so she was the only believer in her village until he came to Christ, and now he's a believer, and um and so uh, when we got. When we got this story and we took it back and I started sharing it um, with, uh, at these, these mission conferences I went to in that country, a church in a big city in the eastern part of that country, they said, give us this people group. And so this happened like year, a couple years later actually. Through those booklets, they found out about this people group and they, they went. And, I, and, and so um, this was like two years later. I heard I get to hear the next part of the story. This church went out there to find her and find them, and they wanted to go. Um, but before they got to her village, they got to another village of this same people group. They were invited into this man's home, and I think they sent six people on this trip. They stayed two weeks at that man's home, and they, and they shared the gospel. They baptized 24 people, believers among the Tutsu and planted the first Tutsu church among uh, among that people group. And and I'm sharing this story with you to see that we're all linked together in this. We're we all want to be part of something bigger than we are. You know that list of 185 unengaged, unreached people groups, the story doesn't end there. So um, in 2016, my wife and I, we, 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 we left that country and we went back to Richmond to work at the IMB in the home office for a two-year assignment. And then we went back, but we didn't go back into that country. Went, we went to northern Thailand and lived uh, the last two years on the field from 2018 to 20. We lived in a country near that country. And, and I was training uh, missionaries who were also coming out of that country who were going to other countries. So I was actually flying to Nepal where there was two training centers uh, from people from that country going. They would come for cross-cultural. I did the cross-cultural missions training. I had a colleague that did uh, learning language training. They had to go learn language. And then they would go to other countries um, uh, to take the gospel and they would also come to thailand and do training and they'd also go to malaysia and other countries so i had to i made a couple trips into that country a few times but it it was getting dangerous for me to be in that country i had been compromised and my hand was on a lot of different things that that they didn't like and so i had to be careful Um, but but my national partner and his wife um, that i'd been working with who continued this work um, I, i was in contact with them and during covid um, in, in around March of 2020, um, they had been locked up in their house for uh, several weeks with a twin two year olds and a five year old. And I'm like, well, why don't you all come down? We're not closed down in Thailand. And you, so we got them an Airbnb where they could come and be near us. And we spent several, and then they were going to come for two weeks and they're still there. Uh, the, the border shut up, the airport's closed down. They've been there for two years. Uh, but they're continuing to do their work, lead their work from outside the country and they're getting more done, and I have watched that number of 100. So when I, when I was still in country, when I left in 2016, we had gone from 185 unenre- unengaged, unreached people groups. We got it down to 150, and then we left for two years. When we came back, and today I just got a, an, an update from him. I text with him every week, and I just got the, the latest update just maybe about a week ago, that um, the number of unengaged, unreached people groups, 185, for for the first time, is 48. And so this country over there has engaged all of those targets except 48. They have 48 left to do. Amen? Isn't that awesome? So when you watch the news and you hear nothing but bad news in this world, I'm here to tell you that God's on His throne and this Word is alive and He tells us to go and make disciples of all nations Revelations chapter 7, verses 9 and 10 is a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. And that prophecy is when John is taken up in a vision and he sees a multitude more than anyone can count from every tongue and tribe and nation standing before the Lamb and before the throne. That has not happened yet. But I will tell you, when John looked into that vision and he saw that multitude more than anyone can count, folks, he saw your face. He saw the generation of believers that came and brought you to faith that have already gone on to glory. He saw them in that picture. But he also saw these Tutsu people in that picture. He saw the Lisu. He saw the Bai. He saw the Nashi. He saw the Zhuang. He saw the Miao. He saw every one of those people groups because he cares about every one of them. And he says that the gates of hell will not stand against his church. And one day when... When Christ returns, no one knows the day or the time or the hour, but I can tell you one thing. The church will be involved going out to take the gospel to that last people group on earth, and then the end will come. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of Lazarus. Thank you for the testimony of uh, Sister Ewan, this Tutzu sister who faithfully followed you and obeyed you and loved her husband till he came to Christ. Thank you that there's a Tuzu church. Father, there's many other Tuzu villages and 24,000 Tutzu people. Father, I pray that your work is not done among that tribe. I pray not only will you reach that tribe, but you will mobilize that tribe, and they will take the gospel over the hills to the next tribe and the next people group. Father, we pray uh, for that uh, your kingdom will come and your will be done. And Lord, we all look forward to the day when all of every tear will be wiped away and all of the pain and suffering and sorrow and destruction and disaster of this world will be nothing but just a a distant memory. But Father, that'll be a glorious day that we will be with you forever in heaven. But there'll be one joy that we'll never ever get to experience again in heaven. And that is the joy of leading somebody to you and to saving faith in you. So Father, just put the fire under us and in our hearts as we overflow with worship for you to go and be bold and not be fearful and shriek back, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.